If you haven't turned there already, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, going to kind of skim through what we looked at last week. I need your prayer though. Um, I'm a light sleeper. I've been up since 1.30. I'm really tired. I need you to pray for me and I will pray for all of us as we begin. So let's pray one more time. Father, as always, I need you desperately. We need you as we look at your word this morning. We need your spirit to open our eyes to see wonderful things out of it. And God, as we think about the new year ahead of us and another uh, push towards discipleship, God, I want to pray 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 11 and 12 for us. I pray that uh, every resolve for good that we have and every work of faith that you would bring it about by your power so that your name is glorified. So if we resolve to make disciples this year, God, if we resolve to bring about a work of faith by your power, serving others through love, God, please bring it about by your power so that your name is glorified as the one who helps us. So help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a fascination with zombies in Hollywood right now. You've probably heard me mention that in sermons before. You may know that too if you're a fan of the AMC show, The Walking Dead. It's a show about a zombie apocalypse. And in The Walking Dead, like most zombie movies, the way that you become a zombie is when another zombie bites you. It's one bite, and then it's just a matter of time before the fever sets in, and then you turn, and then you are a zombie. That is exactly what was happening spiritually in the Galatian churches to which the Apostle Paul wrote. Some disciples were falling for the lies of a group of false teachers called Judaizers, and the Judaizers were telling the Galatians that you can maintain your relationship with God, you can gain favor with Him by the things that you do, namely coming back under the Mosaic Law. And so some Galatians were buying into this works righteousness and this was causing some division, and it soon led to the churches doing what Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's face it. Churches are notorious. Christians are notorious. Disciples of Jesus Christ are notorious for biting one another, for devouring each other, for consuming one another. Many churches have experienced a zombie apocalypse, spiritually speaking. It starts in a church just like it does in a zombie movie. A few people get angry. They become disgruntled, upset, hurt. And instead of talking honestly and openly with the person who has hurt them or offended them, what do they do? They don't do what Jesus says when he says, go and talk to the person face to face because it'll solve everything. What they do is they begin talking to one of their friends. They talk to one of their friends, and one of their friends talks to their friends, and on and on it goes until person after person gets the fever, the fever of anger or hatred or bitterness or unforgiveness or being hurt. And soon, people in the church are backbiting, complaining, gossiping, causing division, and then leaving the church. Well, let's face it, we've all done it, haven't we? All of us. 
We've, instead of going to the person who has offended us because it's hard, it's much easier to go to someone else and bite them. It happens in Sunday school classes, in small groups, in homes, at Starbucks. People turn into zombies at church and start biting others, and soon the virus spreads. Somebody gets mad at a Sunday school teacher, and then they, they bite their friend and infect them with the virus, and they tell them that they're mad at the Sunday school teacher, and then that person bites someone else and tells them about what happened to so-and-so, and then this virus spreads, and all of a sudden you have this whole Sunday school class full of zombies who are biting and devouring one another, infecting each other. Or it happens to a pastor or to a small group leader or to the elders. Let's face it, we've all done this. We've all turned into zombies and spread the virus without going to the person who has offended us. Enough of the zombie apocalypse. Enough of the backbiting and the gossiping and the complaining. You know why I've had enough? Because this is God's church. We exist for God's glory. This is not a platform for us to air our anger and hurts and things like that. We go to, to the person, but this is God's church. We exist for God's glory and God's glory alone. Not us to say what we want to say. It's about Jesus. And the church is Jesus' bride. And I have a feeling That Jesus doesn't want anyone to bite his bride and turn her into a zombie. Just a hunch that I'm working from here. Jesus does not like it when people bite his bride and infect them with the virus and turn them into a zombie. So what should we be doing as a church? Here's our big idea today. Make disciples, not zombies. We should be busy making disciples, not biting and infecting other people with our virus of discontent. Now, that probably bothers some of you that uh, talk about zombies, and I have in several sermons, but it's a great mental image of what happens in churches and what was happening in the Galatian church. So I hope this imagery of zombies biting and devouring other people, I hope it stays in your mind. I hope it haunts you. I hope it bothers you and keeps you up at night. And I hope it stays in your mind and you are always thinking to yourself, I want to make disciples, not zombies. It's a great mental image of what was actually happening in the Galatian churches. Paul says it in Galatians 5.15. We'll read it again. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Zombies are made in a church when people use their lips and their teeth and their tongues, their mouths to bite and devour and consume one another. Zombies are made in a church when people backbite and gossip and complain and slander and cause division. But disciples are made in a church when people use their mouths, their tongues, their teeth, their lips to teach other people truths from God's word, to teach other people about God from his word. And that's the kind of church that I want grace to be. I want us to be more and more and stay busy making disciple-making disciples. That's our tagline around here. We want to be a church who knows how to make disciples, who know how to go and make other disciples, who then know how to go and make other disciples. See, zombies bite people, 
And they make zombies that know how to go and bite other people who can then bite other people and make them zombies. There's no crash course when you become a zombie. By instinct, by nature, you go and bite and you want to eat people and bite them. That's what you do as a zombie. Nobody teaches you that as a zombie. No more zombie church for us here at Grace. It's time to renew our focus once again on discipleship. Now, I reminded you of this in our summer series when we went through the Psalms. The last two sermons in the book of Psalms were, again, a renewed focus on prayer and discipleship, areas that we are weak in. You heard me say in the second to last sermon, not to bring shame or guilt on anyone. I said that in the sermon. I don't want to bring shame or guilt on anyone, but it's time to stop making excuses and start making time to pray. And we closed out that series by also saying it's time to stop making excuses and start making disciple-making disciples. Now, we're wrapping up a week of prayer tonight. And I have to be honest with you, like I was in the first service, and like I'm going to be in the next service, I'm discouraged right now. This is our third year in a row of having a week of prayer at the beginning of the year, and our turnout was very poor. I just want to be open and honest with you and tell you about how I feel. I struggle with discouragement. I fought discouragement all week. I used Isaiah 41 that Pastor Greg talked about all week long, saying, don't be dismayed. I am your God. I fought that all week long, but I'm discouraged today because last night at the women's prayer time, I think there were seven women there. The men's prayer time on Wednesday night, there were nine of us. And there was a poor turnout every other night except for the youth night and the teenagers' college group night. And probably because those two events are there set in place and people come to them no matter what. So I just got to be open and honest with you. I struggle. I'm struggling today with discouragement because of the poor turnout. I don't say that to shame you. I don't say that to heap guilt on you. I just want to let you know that I struggle just like you do. And I have to use God's word to fight that discouragement. So that's why we have one more night of prayer. So I encourage you to come back tonight, not because of guilt or shame, but I will say this. Tonight we're praying for our government leaders in our city, the nation, the world. I will say this. If you've ever complained about leaders in our city or in our state, our governor or our president, if you've ever ranted on Facebook about Barack Obama, you should be the first person there tonight at 6 o'clock in the chapel to pray. If you've ever ranted about our government, you should be there tonight and pray for our government. Now, get that off my chest. This is where I'm at. We're renewing our focus on prayer one more night tonight and discipleship. Because listen, if we don't have the infrastructure of discipleship here, we're never going to grow. If we don't have, if we're not a church that knows how to make disciples, who know how to make disciples, people are going to come in the doors, they're going to leave, it's going to be a revolving door because we have no structure, no foundation to support growth ever. It will just be a consumer church. Come and hear a good sermon, hear good music, and leave. And that's all we'll be. So that's why we're focusing again on discipleship. We're about making disciples here at Grace. We're not into making zombies. So if you hear someone complaining here at Grace, tell them this. You need to go talk to the person who has offended you. Quit trying to turn me into a zombie. Quit trying to infect me with your virus. Stop biting and devouring. 
We don't do that here at Grace. This is not some Hollywood movie set. This is not The Walking Dead. We make disciples here. We don't make zombies. So quit trying to bite me and infect me and go and talk to the person who has offended you. Go do what Jesus said to do. He's your master. You follow him. That's what it means to be a disciple. Follow him and go talk to that person face to face. Now, wouldn't that change things around here if you heard someone griping and complaining? We need to be making disciples, not zombies. That's what Jesus said to do, Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's discipleship. And I think that's what was happening in the Galatian churches. I think they had been busy making disciples, making disciples until the Judaizers came in. Look at Galatians 5, 7. Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I think the Galatians were focused on the gospel and they were making disciples until this group of false teachers came in and told them that they had to perform for God to get his favor and to get his love. And they took their eyes off of Jesus And they began to focus on themselves. And before long, they were making zombies because they were biting and devouring one another. You see, that's always the pattern to making zombies in a church. The first thing you do is you take your eyes off of Jesus. If you want to make zombies in the church, the very first thing you have to do is you have to take your eyes off of Jesus. The second thing you have to do is then you focus on yourself. That always happens. In the pattern of seeing how zombies are made... People take their eyes off of Jesus and they begin to focus on themselves. And they focus usually on one of three things. One, they focus on their self-righteousness. Take my eyes off of Jesus and I look at how faithful I am in my quiet times. I've read all the Bible six times in, in, in one year. I pray two hours every day. All these subpar Christians over here need to get their act together because I've got mine together. That's what happens. Or you take your eyes off Jesus, focus on yourself, your sin, and your failure. I haven't been good at making disciples. I haven't made any in a while. I haven't shared the gospel with anyone in a while. I don't read the Bible as much as I should. I don't pray. And then condemnation and guilt and shame comes. Or the third way you focus on yourself is you focus on your hurts. You focus on the person that's hurt you at church. You focus on your preferences and your wishes and your wants for how church should be. It's always the same pattern. You take your eyes off Jesus, you focus on yourself, your self-righteousness, your sin and your failure, or your preferences, your your wants, your wishes, your hurts, and then you do the third thing. You start biting people. You start attacking people because they don't measure up to the standard that you have set. It's always the pattern, and it happens in churches every single week, and the only way to stop the zombie apocalypse in a church is to keep your eyes on Jesus, because when you have your eyes on Jesus, you'll realize that you are free to make disciples, that you have everything you need in Jesus. You're free. Jesus, you meet all my needs. I don't have to be self-absorbed anymore because you meet all my needs, so now I'm free to go love and serve people. I'm free now. When you have your eyes on Jesus you'll realize you're free to love people and to serve people. That's what Paul says in Galatians 5. Look at verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith 
working through love. And then Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for selfishness, living self-absorbed lives. Rather, he says, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now I want us to spend the rest of this sermon talking about how we can love and serve one another here at Grace And the way that our faith and trust in Jesus will work itself out through love is through discipleship. The way we stop being selfish and self-absorbed is we love one another through discipleship. The way we fulfill the law and love one another is by making disciple-making disciples. What does discipleship look like? Well, let's talk about what a disciple is. First, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. You're following Jesus, saying, you're my master, you're my Lord. I follow you. I go where you say to go. I I do what you tell me to do. I am following you. A disciple is a follower, a learner. They're learning from Jesus. But what does discipleship look like? How do we do it? What if we feel scared or unqualified to make disciples? Those are great questions that I want to answer for you today. And as we answer them, I want you to be thinking about this. It's hard work to make disciples. It takes, and here comes the S word, sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to make disciples. It takes, and here comes the T word, and it's not tuna. It takes time to make disciples. You have to make time to do it. And time is precious to us, isn't it? Time, you know what? We'll probably give away our money, but our time, no way. That's the last thing we want to let go of. It takes time. But what about making zombies in a church? Oh, well, that's easy. It's easy to spread gossip and cause division. It's easy to spread lies and rumors. It's easy to bite and devour one another. And the sad thing is not that we do these things. The sad thing is that not that churches and disciples do these things. The sad thing about it is that we actually make time to do these things. We make time to gossip and slander and complain and bite. The sad thing is that we don't make time to make disciples. But we'll find time and we'll make time to make zombies. We'll make time and we'll find time to complain and gossip and slander and bite and devour. That's what's sad. I mean, in one sense it's sad because we're sinners that we do these things. But to me the sad part is that we actually make time to complain and gripe and bite. We'll we'll call somebody up and say, do you want to meet at Starbucks? And they go, and for two hours you unload on them all your complaints about someone, and you make time for that. But what about spending two hours with somebody at Starbucks talking about God and his word? But we will make the time to make zombies. That's sad. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to stop mid-sermon and say a prayer the way the Apostle Paul stops in the middle of his letters And he says a prayer. He'll often stop and offer up a a praise or a benediction to God. Have you noticed that Paul does that in his letters? Well, I'm going to do that right now. Because Jesus knows that I'm really good at making time to complain and feel sorry for myself and be discouraged and to gripe and to bite. He knows I'm a bit slower at making time to make disciples. 
So I need this prayer right now at this point in the sermon. So don't mind me here if I pull a Paul and say a quick prayer. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for making zombies. Please forgive us for making zombies and making time to do it. Forgive us for apathy. Forgive us for living self-absorbed lives. Forgive us for slandering people. Forgive us for gossiping and complaining. Forgive us for idolizing our preferences and idolizing our wants and idolizing our wishes and idolizing our desires for how grace should be. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us to remember that this is your church, your body, your bride. May we never cause division. May we never gossip and slander. Oh, Lord, give us a passion to make disciples. May we truly exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify you and enjoy you everywhere and in everything in Jesus' name. I feel better. Thank God for Jesus because he forgives us. His grace forgives us for the many times that we're apathetic and lazy But his grace transforms us and empowers us to do what he has called us to do. So back to those questions. What does discipleship look like? How do we do it? What if we feel scared or unqualified or we don't feel confident to be making disciples, making disciples? Well, let me answer the what if I'm scared or don't feel confident question. Let me answer that right now so that your fears will be alleviated or at least uh, put on hold for a while so that then, then your ears can perk up and you can say, okay, now that I know I can make disciples by God's grace, then tell me how to do it. So I'm going to try to take care of your fears, at least temporarily, so you'll listen up and figure out how to do it, okay? What did Jesus say in Matthew 28, 20? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When he told him to make disciples, he said, I'm with you. Prior to that, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The one who gives you grace and the power and the strength to make disciples is the only man in this universe who has all power and all authority. Every leader in this world must bow their knee to the man who says, I've got your back when you go make disciples. On top of that, what did Paul say to Timothy? You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you're scared or you feel like I can't be involved in discipleship, then guess what? Jesus is with you. He will empower you. He will strengthen you. He will give you the grace that you need. Now, doesn't that put at least a little bit of spring in your step? I can do it. I can make disciple-making disciples because Jesus said that he would always be with me. His grace is there to give me the power and the strength that I need. On top of that, I have the Holy Spirit who resides within me, who Jesus promised to give to, to me that I have power and so that you would have power to be witnesses for him. So now that your fears are relieved... Let's get to finding out how we make disciple-making disciples. We make disciple-making disciples by sharing the gospel. It's that simple. 
by sharing the good news of Jesus. Well, what is gospel sharing? It is two things. One, it is sharing with unbelievers, those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. It's sharing with unbelievers the good news of the gospel. That we are all rebels and sinners and born that way. That we have all broken God's law. And that we all deserve eternal punishment in hell forever because we've rebelled against a holy God. That's the bad news. That's got to be part of your gospel presentation. It's not that God has a wonderful plan for your life. He doesn't until you repent. Got to have the bad news. But the good news is that God lovingly sent his son Jesus to live the life that we could never live because we're rebels and sinners. And to die the death that we all deserve because we're rebels and sinners. And God raised him from the dead. And Jesus is coming back to restore creation. That's the gospel, the good news. So the gospel is this announcement from God that Jesus did what we could never, ever do. And if we are ever to make disciple-making disciples, we have to share the gospel with unbelievers. We must share the good news with them. And in February, we're going to make another push for us to start reaching our city, for you to be reaching your neighbors and your coworkers, because we want to be busy making disciples. And part of the discipleship process is telling unbelievers what Jesus has done. But the gospel has another layer specifically for believers, for Christians, for disciples who have been adopted into God's family through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is for believers. It is sharing the gospel with believers, yourself or other believers that you know. So the gospel then becomes the center of a disciple's life. We continue to grow in the gospel. We are to preach the gospel to ourselves, you will hear us say here at Grace. Or more often than that, we say we are to rehearse the gospel, to remember all that God is for us in his son. So that when we feel guilty and condemned and there's shame, you rehearse the gospel. You preach the gospel to yourself when you say no. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you feel guilty for your sins, you cling to and you preach to yourself 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Disciples believe the gospel and then we begin to live in sync with the gospel. We continue to grow in the gospel after we have become disciples. Now, we don't live the gospel because some people will say that. We live the gospel. We don't live the gospel because the gospel is an announcement. It is a proclamation. It is good news. But what we do is we live our lives in sync with the gospel, in sync with the good news, centered around it. Now, how do we share the gospel with others in discipleship? How do we share the gospel with other believers in the context of the church? Here are some of the contexts that we do that in. One, it's in one-on-one relationships. It's where a mature believer in the Lord takes a younger believer under their wings and, and walks them through discipleship, teaches them about prayer and giving and serving and, and teaching them the big story of the Bible. It happens in these one-on-one relationships, usually with a mature believer with one or two younger believers. So the kind of this one-on-one type thing. But discipleship also happens in groups. 
in Bible studies, in small groups, in Sunday school classes, in our Grace Seminary classes. This is exactly why we do our Grace Seminary classes, which will be starting up the first uh, Sunday of February. We do Grace Seminary classes so that for 12 weeks you learn something about God's Word by looking at the resources that the teacher is using, and then you take that material and you intentionally share it with someone else so that you've had hands-on training for 12 weeks to then go to somebody at work and say, I just went through this book, through this resource, let's walk through it together. So discipleship happens in, in group setting. Like right now, discipleship is happening Third, discipleship happens when it's spontaneous, when it's not structured and not planned. This is where most of discipleship happens. It's spontaneous. It's you going to Starbucks and seeing someone that you know, and they look discouraged, and you ask them what's wrong, and they tell you, and then you share a promise out of God's word with them, and you pray for them. You're calling them to believe the promises of God, to follow Jesus. More often than not, this is where discipleship happens. Where one disciple, regardless of their spiritual age and maturity, calls another disciple to follow Jesus. It happens all the time. It happens when your kids say things like, but mom, you told me I should never do that. Why are you doing that? Well, in that moment, your child is calling you to follow Jesus. Spontaneous. Fourth way that discipleship happens is in families. And if you have kids, this is the primary way that you will make disciples with your own kids. You are called, parents, to disciple your children, first and foremost. Not Grace, not Michelle, not James, not Awana, not VBS, not the Christian school they go to or whatever. You are called to make disciples of your own children. That is the biblical pattern going all the way back to the Old Testament. So discipleship happens when we share the gospel with unbelievers But then secondly, it happens as we share the gospel with believers in either one-on-one relationships, in group settings, uh, whether it's spontaneous or for parents, mostly in your own home with your kids. Let's be a church that makes disciples and not zombies. Now, there are two ways that we want to help you be busy making disciple, making disciples. And the first thing is we want to give you or give you an opportunity to purchase, I should rephrase that, give you an opportunity to purchase with your money some discipleship resources. So look at your bulletin insert. These are some of the many great discipleship resources that are available. I highly recommend all of, of these. Um, so when the, when the service is over, go to the Welcome Center, to my left, your right, at the McCoy exit, and look through these resources. The copies of these resources will be there for you to look through, to thumb through. Then get your piece of paper and check which ones you like. And then we will order them, and when they come in, we will let you know, and then you can pay. You'll see the prices here. Give us your information. Fill out your name, email, telephone number. Then you'll notice at the very bottom... It says, I would like to be discipled. If you would like to be discipled by someone, check that. If you would like to disciple someone, check that off. And we'll do our best to connect you with someone who can walk with you and meet with you. So let's walk through this now. So when you get done, all of these resources are going to be right over here at the Welcome Center. I will be there when it's over to answer any questions you have. Thumb through them. The resources will be here all week long and next week for you to look through and figure out which ones you want. Then we'll place a big order and give them and you can pay up and then we'll all make disciples. So let's walk through the resources. 
First one, the Jesus Storybook Bible, every story whispers his name. The best Bible study there is. And it's a kid's Bible. Now, there's not study notes, but it will give you the big picture of the Bible. You want to know what the whole Bible is about? This little children's Bible book will teach you. In every story, it's whispering that Jesus is our Redeemer. That there's a Savior coming from the Old Testament, from when Adam and Eve sinned all the way until he comes, until he comes again. I highly recommend this. Parents, if you have this, you know. When you read this thing, you're like, man, that's good. You know, I highly recommend it if you don't have kids. You're an adult, 50 years old, kids moved out, you're at home. I highly recommend you get this. Below that is Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. Another book, follow-up by Sally Lloyd-Jones, who wrote the previous one. This is a great little one-page devotional. Do you ever have uh, nights where your kids are way past their bedtime and they're like, I want a Bible story, read me the Bible. And you're like, I know I should read the Bible. And, you know, you wonder what to do. These are great little one-page things. I've used it many times when the kids are like, tell us the story, which is four or five pages long. And One little thought right there for you to read. It's got scripture and an explanation and great artwork in both of them. Third resource there, one year of dinner table devotions. Maybe you have nights where you're sitting around the dinner table. What do you talk about? Here's a great book by Nancy Guthrie. Our copy's out there. We haven't used it in a while, but there's probably some food stains on it. Could be a slice of pepperoni in there. I I don't know what's in there, okay? We've used it. Um, it's a great one, has questions, scripture, very short. The next four are by Sinclair Ferguson. The big book of questions and answers has things about like, who am I, why am I here, who is God, kind of a sort of a catechism. It's a great book to look through. The big book of questions and answers about Jesus takes you through the gospel of Mark. Who was Jesus? Why did he come? Why was he baptized? How was he tempted? Great resources. And he's got two others, the big book of Bible truths, one and two, which are just little devotionals uh, that aren't necessarily connected as far as a thought, but just little devotionals for you to read to your kids. The next one, Big Truths for Young Hearts, Teaching and Learning the Greatness of God. This is a great book for adults to read. Easily, uh, it's an easy read, but it's rich with theology and doctrine. It's a great book, parents, for you to get and read with your kids. Four or five pages are the length of each chapter, just looking at the greatness of God and trying to teach your kids about him. So I recommend those. Now, moving on to the last three, even though there's four listed, there are three resources. If you want to disciple someone and you came to me, I would say, this is what you should use. This is the resources you should start with and how you should use them. The first one is called the walk. That's step number one that I would send you on. Steps for new or renewed followers of Jesus. This is the best book of discipleship I've ever read. It's the book I wish I could have written. It's a book that deals with the gospel. It it deals with regeneration and justification and sanctification and glorification. What discipleship books for beginners start with that and focus on that? I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. I wrote a study guide. There's a free study guide. If you email me, I'll send it to you with questions and answers. Awesome, awesome resource. The second one, The Gospel-Centered Life. There's a leader's guide and a participant's guide. Just kind of looks at how do you preach the gospel to yourself? How do you rehearse the gospel? When you're judging others, when you don't want to forgive other people, when you're prideful, it's a great resource to just learn how to rehearse the gospel. That would be the second step after you finish the walk. And then the third one, I would send you to study Wayne Grudem, edited by his son, Elliot. Christian beliefs, 20 basics every Christian should know. 
There's a group of men in our church that are going through this right now. It looks at end times. It looks at um, justification, so on and so forth. Easy to read, 20 things that every Christian should know and believe. So all of those resources are going to be out there on the table. I will be out there after this sermon. The resources will be there all week if you want to come through, if it's too crowded to look at. Fill this thing out, check off the ones you want to buy, and then there's a little basket for you to place it in out there at the Welcome Center. We'll make a push next week and then order the books, and then we'll get busy making disciple-making disciples. Let's be a church that makes disciples, not zombies. Now, to help you with that, a second way is we have a personal discipleship plan for you to look at for the year 2014. Now, we had some printing complications, so... um, I think we have enough, well, maybe not. How about one per family right now? We will email these out to you tomorrow. We will have more next week. We've got a complication with the printer, and we're only able to print up 250. So please, one per family, pick this up and look through this. We want to help you have a plan for making disciples this year because if you're like me, if I don't have a plan, it doesn't get done. You have a Bible reading plan, and all of a sudden you wake up, and it's March, and you're like, oh, I haven't read that much. This will help you get a plan. Again, no shame, no condemnation. If you fill this thing out and you wake up and it's March and you haven't done any of this, no shame, condemnation. This is just to get you thinking and to be intentional. This booklet will help you flesh out Galatians 5, 6, which says faith working through love. This will help your faith work through love by making disciples. This little booklet will help you get started to use your freedom, not as an opportunity for the flesh, for being self-absorbed, but through love, serving one another. This booklet will help you make disciple-making disciples in 2014. There are six main questions in our our little booklet here for you to look through, and then some sub-questions. I'll just mention a few quickly. The first question is, how will I fill my mind with truth? You have to have a plan this year. Do you have a Bible reading plan? There's a Bible reading plan, a link to uh, many different Bible reading plans at the Gospel Coalition. There's a link inside this you can go to, find one that you like. you got to have a plan. When will you read God's Word? You have to have a time and a place. Don't just say whenever I get around to it because the day will go by and you won't do it. Have a plan. How will you memorize God's Word? That's why we put the fighter verses on your sermon notes page. So that you can take, like I did, Isaiah 41.10 last week and preach it to myself all week long when I was getting discouraged and saying, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. There's even an app for it. It's so easy. How will you memorize God's word? How will you learn God's word? Will you be here? Will you make it a priority to hear the preaching and teaching of God's word here every week? Will you join a Sunday school class? Will you join a Grace Seminary class when that rolls around in February. Second question, how will I fuel my affections for God? How will you pray this year? Do you have a plan? Do you have a time? Do you have a place? How will you fast? How will you give financially? Who will you disciple this year? There's even a link in here to uh, a free discipleship resource online by Francis Chan. You can buy the book copy if you want. It's called Multiply Disciples, Making Disciples. But all of this information is free online with videos by him that you can watch. If you want to disciple someone, there's a link in here for you to do that. Who are you going to disciple this year? Who are you praying for to come to know Jesus? Is it the guy at Starbucks, the barista who makes your mocha every day? Identify him. Get his name. Pray for him and start engaging in conversation. Who are you going to share the gospel with this year? Your neighbor? Coworker, family member, write it down 
And then share it with someone and let them hold you accountable, not to heap guilt on you. But if May rolls around and you've done nothing, then let them encourage you and say, hey, you filled that thing out, it's May, you haven't done anything. How about I help you? Remember, no shame and no guilt. The bottom line is that discipleship doesn't just happen. It takes planning and it takes time. And this little booklet will help you get started. A plan for how to let your faith work through love. A plan for how you can serve others through love. And we do that by making disciples. Let's not bite and devour one another. That's easy to do. Let's be a church that does hard things. Let's be a church that does the hard work of discipleship. Let's be a church that is busy making disciple making disciples for God's glory because that's precisely why we exist to glorify him and to enjoy him everywhere and in every single thing we do. Let's pray and prepare our hearts to take the Lord's supper to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we come before you and we can all say we've dropped the ball with discipleship. We've dropped the ball with Bible reading, prayer, evangelism. And we're so glad Jesus came because he did what we could never do. And so we look to him, God. But we do ask you to forgive us. Forgive us if we've been making zombies by biting people. Forgive us for not going to the people that have offended us and not talking to them face to face. Forgive us for being self-absorbed and not taking time to pray and making time to pray and taking time to disciple and making time to disciple people. God, forgive us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame here this morning, but we want to be challenged by your word, God. Would you help us to be a church that glorifies you and enjoys you as we make disciple-making disciples? In Jesus' name, amen.